Welcome to Real Talk with Bishop Brown. Our hope is that you are blessed and that your relationship with God continues to grow and flourish. The next voice that you'll hear will be that of Bishop Brown. Thank you for listening. Amen. Amen. Uh, and before I go another further, can we praise God for our mid-year celebration this past Wednesday evening? Pastor Roy Brackens blessed our hearts, blessed our heads, blessed our souls. And, uh, and I want to thank you for coming out on a Wednesday night uh, when some are completely devoted to the Lakers. You were here devoted to the Lord. Amen. 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 Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. And uh, I praise God for you. Uh, the house was full and uh, the spirit was present and the, the word of God was preached. The music ministry was phenomenal and uh, it was just an awesome, awesome experience for which I am truly grateful to God and for you. Amen. Would you stand and turn with me in your Bibles? Book of First Samuel. That might be in a sticky part of your Bible, but it's in there. First Samuel. Chapter 1. And for context's sake, I want to just read a portion beginning in verse 1. If, you, if you're there, just say amen. There was a certain man of Ramatham. Something. Of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham. Jeroham. Son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuph, an Ephratite. He had two wives. <laughs> the name of the one was Hannah, the name of the other, Penina. I'm doing the best I can. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. I want to talk today from the subject, the high calling of motherhood. The high calling of motherhood. You may have your seats. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you afresh for the written, spoken, and living word of God. Teach our minds, control our emotions, direct our will, govern our behavior. In the process, transform our lives. For we ask these things in the strong and perfect name of Jesus, who is the Christ. And the people of God said, Amen. 
Amen. Um, this seemingly sad story, at least it appears sad uh, at the beginning of it, uh, tells the account of a woman who desperately wanted to have children. She recognized the value of children. She appreciated children. And yet, she had no children. Hmm. I'm aware that there are millions, if not more, of women who struggle with the reality that they, for whatever reason, do not have children. And it is such a sensitive topic, and believe me, I'm seeking to tread very lightly here with sensitivity and with uh, uh, much concern. Um, uh, but the reality is, is that there are many women who would love to have children, um, whom God has just not allowed it to happen, at least as of now. And I am not standing in God's spot to say you're going to. That's, that's above my pay grade. Um, but I believe this account helps us to appreciate um, that motherhood is a high calling. It is, it, is, it is a high calling. And, and when we look at society, the one that we live in right now, um, there seems to be a devaluation of motherhood. Uh, there seems to me, at least, to be a... A, 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 minimal, a minimizing, is that a word? A minimizing, thank you, um, of the significance of motherhood. Um, in some cases, when, when young girls get pregnant and have babies, they, in some cases, treat it treat the baby like a doll, like, like this is a game, like, like this is fun. Uh, but I'm guessing that there's probably some sisters in this house that would say that, 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 that having children, while can be rewarding, is often anything but fun. If you're doing it right, um, it's fulfilling. But fun, I don't know. Um, in our society, 
moms are depressed. Not every mother. Kids are depressed. Uh, there are probably more mothers and their children in therapy today than perhaps ever in the history of humanity. Um, teenagers in many cases, I have to throw in all these caveats because you're going to think I'm talking about your child and I'm talking about our children. Uh, teenagers are out of control, whatever that means. Uh, toddlers are running the house. running around bow-legged in a diaper, telling their mothers, no. And then moms live life and parent their children from a place of constant guilt. Guilt for either having to work outside of the home, guilt for not working outside of the home, guilt for not feeling that they measure up to all the other mothers on Facebook. Perhaps you're not giving or not able to give your child the same kind of experiences that it seems like so many others on social media are giving theirs. Uh, and unbeknownst to all of us, uh, there is such a staged and fake and false and phony presentation <laughs> on Facebook. It is, it is calculated, it is, it is designed to, for people to bring out what they consider their best, but, but we don't know what lies and lurks behind the scenes. And yet, many of us, are certainly mothers in this case, are, are Sister Flanagan, good to see you and your daughter. Uh, it, they, 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 in many cases, are, are going through these motions, trying to be impressive when, when the reality is, is that many mothers are struggling. 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 I'm reminded of Langston Hughes' infamous poem, uh, Life Ain't Be, ain't, Life Ain't Been No Crystal Stair. It's called Mother to Son. And she goes on to catalog and chronicle uh, to her son uh, how challenging uh, life has been. And I believe that, that, that if we would dare to be brave enough and transparent enough to acknowledge, admit, and agree that, that, that raising and rearing children uh, is no game. It, 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 it is the greatest challenge, I would dare say, on planet Earth. When I think about the mother that raised me and all I put her through, when I think of the mother that raises my children or raised my children and, and, and all that, that we went through and, and the sacrifices and the this and the that and the, 
and the and the the, the experiences of 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 life I can't say enough about mothers and whether your mother is still with you in the flesh or whether she lives in the memories in your heart the fact that she brought you into this world and that then went to death's door to do it, uh, we ought to stop right now and give them a, a, a rousing hand of applause. Oh, come on now. Come on now. No matter what your relationship was with your mother, if it was great, great. If it was not great, she still brought you here. As I said, the role of motherhood has been devalued in our society, which only complicates the inner turmoil that moms struggle with today. The high calling of motherhood has been abandoned. We no longer value and esteem mothers and the impact that they contribute to society as we are raising up the next generation. Our culture has encouraged us to dismiss any inconvenience, whether through divorce, abortion, or even denying the time it takes to be intentional in our parenting. We keep ourselves busy and our kids in every activity so that we don't have to invest in our children's lives. Anything that requires work or sacrifice is not valued in our society unless it provides satisfaction or recognition. This has become the norm. Um, this story of Hannah um, is really a story of ultimately trusting God and I just want to encourage the mothers among us those who are present physically those who are viewing via the stream I, I want to encourage you um, on the one hand if you are giving yourself to the Lord and giving your child or children um, the the advantages of being connected to God, even in this sickly, secular society, uh, you need to know that you're on the right track, sisters. Because, because what a mother's ultimate job is, it is certainly to keep the baby safe and the child safe and all of that. That is certainly primary. But even perhaps more than that is to create an environment where your children will have a heart for God. That's your job, mother, mamas, 
to, to create an environment by precept and example, by word and deed, that, that a successful life may or may not look like a life with cars, clothes, and cash, but at the end of the day, a successful life is a life yielded to Jesus Christ. I need a little help right up in there. It's a, it's a life. I don't care what you don't have. If you've got Jesus Christ, you've got everything. On the other hand, I don't care what you do have. If you don't have Christ, you have nothing. And it is, it is often the mothers who provide the, the, the first church for their children. It, it, is, it is mothers who provide the first witness to their children. It is the mothers who are the first or should be the first Sunday school teachers. The, the, the first uh, who, who show them uh, what, what the tender touch of God feels like. It is mothers. There's three movements in this text that I want to amplify and uh, this would, I guess, be, be, be considered a running exposition. It's, I, I'm not going to do verse by verse. I just kind of give, give us a summary uh, of, of what I believe these verses teach. The first thing I want us to understand in this high calling of motherhood is the grief. I want to I tell you the whole story. Uh, notice this. We, we've already described her husband and tried to get through all of his names and all of that. But, but then he had two wives. He had a couple of wives. Um, text doesn't talk about any concubines that he may have had. But all of this was part of that patriarchal system um, that existed and where, where, whereby um, men, you know, I guess this is where James Brown got the song, This is a Man's World. Uh, y'all know that song, right? Okay, y'all looking at me like, what? Um, men had the authority um, to kind of do what they wanted to do. And, um, and, and I, I ain't going to get into that today. This is not Father's Day. This is Mother's Day. Um, but, but this brother had two wives. And by all accounts in the text, he was good to both. Uh, we got to give him something. He was good to both women. Um, their name, those women are named Penina and Hannah. And notice in verse 3, this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. So, so this man, this husband of two women, was a godly man. Say amen. He was a godly man. He was a good man. He happened to have two wives, but okay. He was good to both, and it was acceptable in that culture at that time. Hannah was one of the wives. Put yourself in Hannah's shoes for just a moment. Because here now, you are one of your husband's, not just women, 
but wives. And, uh, but, but also I want us to understand this, that while the other wife had children from their husband, Hannah had no children. Now, in those days, to, for a woman to not bear a child was a reproach. She would, it, it, they were looking at her like, what is wrong with you? You've got a problem. You, 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 you have obviously sinned somewhere in your life. You, you are not functioning in God's will because you are barren. God has cursed your womb. This was the attitude and the atmosphere. This was the environment that, that Hannah lived in. And while Penina, her, I don't want to call her adversary, but her, uh, uh, what would you call that? Adversary, okay. Her co-wife. Well, what do y'all call them now? Sister wife. Her sister wife. But, 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 but watch this, watch this, watch this. Um, the man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. So she, she's got multiple sons and multiple daughters from Elkanah, who is also uh, Hannah's husband. But to Hannah, verse 5, he gave a double portion. Why? Because he loved her. Though the Lord had closed her womb. Notice that contrast there. He loved her though the Lord had closed her womb. Because for a woman to not give a man in this day a, a child um, was again considered a reproach. But we get an idea, we get a glimpse of the character of this man by the fact that though she did not provide him as of yet with a child, he loved her. And he loved her so much that, that, that the one who may have needed the most provisions, that is the one, Panina, who had all them children, uh, he gave the most provisions to Hannah. That says much about him, and it says much about Hannah. But lest, lest we get bogged down, I want us to pay attention to the fact that in verse 5, it says, though the Lord had closed her womb. Because what we must understand is that only God can give life. I know we live in a different world, and I know that, that circumstances of life of which none of us understands all that any one person goes through. Um, but if we really understood that only God 
can give life. Only God can give children. Then it might be that 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 it might be that that we would pump the brakes a little bit when seeking a solution for an unplanned child. Are y'all tracking with me right there? I'm, I'm not, this is not a guilt trip sermon. This is not a, a, a picking on anybody kind of sermon. I know that in society right now, there are, there's a whole different worldview. And, and, and in many cases, people have placed commas where God has placed periods. But I, I, I want us to understand that only God can give life. Do y'all hear what I'm saying between the lines? So, so the Lord had done what? Closed her womb. Um, and, and, so, and so as we keep reading here, so it went on year by year. This, this, wasn't, this was happening for a long time. Year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to, uh, she used to provoke her. Who? Penina used to provoke Hannah. So it's one thing that you got all the, all the children. It's another, well, no, let me rewind that. It's one thing that you married to her husband. Now, how that worked out right now, I can't say. But she's married to, your, to her, and, and, and she has all the children. And so you would think she'd be all right. She'd be cool. I'm talking about Panina. But, but that wasn't enough. Now she's got to rub in Hannah's face. I got my children. I got my children. She's got to make Hannah feel bad because of what God has chosen not to do. Beloved, we got to be careful of how and what we brag on. Because the fact that Panina had children had nothing to do with her. God just chose to open her womb. The fact that Hannah had no children had nothing to do with her. It's just that God had chosen uh, for that season uh, that she would not have children. At the end of the day, if we recognized that God is still in control, then maybe some of this pressure that we live on, we would recognize that that is really self and societally imposed. So worried about what, what they think, what they gonna say, who cares? And I know who cares is easier said than done, but, but God made these decisions. And, and even though those decisions created an environment of grief for Hannah, Hannah stayed faithful to the Lord. Hannah stayed faithful to the Lord. Hannah went up 
to worship the Lord, which was the custom and how they worshiped in those days. They went to, uh, to Shiloh to worship. And notice here that, that uh, time went by and, and Penina was provoking her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Now, here she is crying and hungry. She decided not to eat because of the grief. Because of the grief. Sisters, I don't know you by name. But there's a possibility that, that, that somebody is sitting in the house right now in a state of grief. And I want you to know that, that while I might not, not know you, God knows you. And God sees you. And God cares about you. And God has a plan for you. Don't you, don't you stay and get weary in your well-doing. Stay faithful to him and God will change your situation. I'm not saying you're going to wake up tomorrow pregnant. I'm just saying God knows. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to rush through this so, so y'all won't get so bored. But, but, but just follow me through this text. Uh, um. And Elkanah, Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? He, he's saying to her, I give you everything. I give you double portions of stuff. I give you everything your heart, heart desires course, the one thing I'm not able to do is cause you to be pregnant. I'm doing my part. Y'all going to catch it on the way home. You're going to be on the 405. Oh, that's what he meant. Because the only way you know if a woman is barren is if, you know, okay. So watch this. After they had eaten and drunk, in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed. And what'd she do about it? She prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Sisters, I want to challenge you. As you go through life, you are going to have seasons where you are in agony where you are in grief, where you are heavy laden with trouble, and, and, and rather than uh, revert to some of your old coping mechanisms, why not just try taking it to the Lord? I wish I had a testimony in here about, from some sister that, that, that you had the grief, you had the, the, all of that, but you took it to the Lord. And, and, and even though God may not have worked it out the way you wanted it to, he still worked it out in a way that was ultimately best for you. Anybody got a testimony like that? deeply distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow. This is how bad she wanted a child. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, 
if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant. Notice how she describes herself. She is an afflicted servant because she does not have a child. This is important to her. This is of ultimate importance to her. This woman wants a baby. Mm. Remember me and not forget your servant. But will give to your servant a son. Notice how specific she is. Give me a son. It was important for women to have sons in those days because the sons would ultimately be the ones to take care of their mothers when their fathers passed away. And uh, so to not have a son was not just an emotional thing, uh, it was an economic thing. And she said, give, give your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. It was, it was a common uh, practice uh, among uh, special children, if you will, that, that God has given certain abilities to, um, that, that they were raised as Nazarites. And a Nazarite was a, a, a baby who grew up and who never had his sh head shaved, never, had, never got a haircut, never got a fade, never got a, all of that, just, just let the hair grow because the hair was a symbol of strength. Okay. And, so, and so everybody knew when you saw a kid, a boy, uh, 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 becoming an adolescent, becoming a man who had a lot of hair, that was a young man that was devoted to the service of the Lord in most cases. And so here she says, no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. We're talking about her grief still, right? And she has gone to the Lord uh, uh, to tell the Lord about all about her troubles. And, and, and as she's there praying to the Lord, she is being misunderstood. Any, any sisters in the house ever felt misunderstood? She continued praying before the Lord. Uh, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. If I hadn't had the grandmother I had, I wouldn't really understand this. But, but I can remember like it was yesterday, my, my grandmother Ganny ironing, ironing clothes. And, and while at the ironing board, she would be, her lips would be moving. And, 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 and I tried to understand what she was saying, but I couldn't. And, and, but what I since learned was Ganny was praying. <laughs> Ganny had a, a thing going on. She had a love affair with the Lord that I didn't understand at the time. But Ganny would be, would be just ironing and, and talking to the Lord. And so here is Hannah in the temple, and she's praying. Her mouth is moving, but, 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 but nobody could really understand her words because sometimes, well, in fact, all times, prayers are between the prayer and God. 
Oh, my goodness. Listen, we don't always have to hear what you're praying about. Because if I hear your prayer, ain't nothing I can do about it in the first place. But the one who, you, who can do all things, that's who, God, that's, that's who your prayers are directed to. And so notice now Hannah. Oh, God. Notice that, that Hannah is talking to the Lord, and, and, and now she's being misunderstood because Eli took her to be a drunk woman. You in here talking to yourself, woman. You hear babbling and mumbling and grumbling uh, in, in his eyes, but he didn't know, he didn't understand the, 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 the hidden treasure in a woman who, who knows how uh, to, to look at you and still not be talking to you. The hidden skill set of a woman who, who looks to be one way, uh, but is a totally different kind of way. Here she is before the man of God, and he misinterprets what she's all about. He, he thinks she just stumbled in drunken, so drunken, and, and, and is just talking outside of her mind. I'll start asking if anybody's ever been there. That, we don't need to know that. That's between you and God. But I am looking at you to see if you sitting upright. Um, Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? H how long will you continue to be drunk? Mm. Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. I'm pouring out my soul before the Lord. Can't you hear her grief? Can't you see her agony? Can't you perceive that this was a woman who, who, who desperately wanted to bring forth life? Mm. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all day long, I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli, Eli answered, here's the good part. Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. Ah, guess where she gets her answer? When she shows up at church. When she makes her way to the house of the Lord and she is open and honest with God and she's open and honest with the man of God. And what happened to her in that setting was that the man of God who had misinterpreted her obviously received a revelation from God 
and said to the woman who had already communicated her grief, he says to her, go in peace and the God of Israel will grant your petition. Matter of fact, it doesn't even give us, uh, it just says the God of Israel grant your petition. He makes it clear uh, that this was uh, a conclusion. This, this, was, this was going to happen. You, you know why you ought to make sure that you um, stay in church? Because it is in church uh, where, where, where God through human personality uh, will communicate with you uh, your ultimate destiny. Your, your horoscope ain't going to get it done. Your personal manifestations are not going to get it done. Your tarot cards, your scratch-offs, your girlfriends, your boo, nothing, you won't, I wish I had a woman in the house that can testify that, that you went through all of those measures. You, you done looked at your horoscope every morning. You, 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 you dialed up uh, a 1-800-tell-a-lie, uh, you know. You, you have gone through all of these motions uh, and still uh, have found no relief, but you made your way to the sanctuary one day and the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob uh, spoke to your situation, uh, spoke a word of destiny and your life has been changed. Go in peace. Go in peace. Not in grief but in peace. And God grant <laughs> your petition that you have made to him. She said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate. Remember, she had been hungry. She had been not eating. Now she's eating. Why? Because now she's at peace. And her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning, worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. Right after church. I don't know if El Cana was saying, boy, when I get you home. Baby, when I get, when we get home, the priest said, you, 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 you going to get what you asked for? Well, baby, you know we got to do our part. And they went home. And I don't know how much time between then and then. But the Bible says <laughs> that, that, that Elkanah knew Hannah and the Lord remembered Hannah. Isn't it good when God remembers you? This is, this is, this is, um, in this outline, we've, we've talked about the grief. Now, is, in this next section, is the gift. The gift. The gift. Look, God remembered her. And in due time, verse 20, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. 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 The L at the end is God. 
And, uh, and, and so uh, Samuel, as we know, uh, became uh, the great prophet, but, but he became this great, great prophet of God because he had a mother that recognized the high calling of motherhood. The high calling that, that it takes more than just putting food on the table. The high calling of understanding that it takes more than just putting new clothes on. It, it takes more than just buying toys and, to and trinkets and stuff. It takes more than just taking them from sporting event to sporting event to practice after practice to extracurricular after extracurricular activity. She understood that, that for her son to become all that God had created, him to be uh, she had to pour into this boy uh, some God talk how much God talk are you speaking into the life of your child or children what what have your children learned about God from you or are they simply learning from you how to do the latest dance? Sometimes I watch on, on, on Facebook, whatever, and I'll see these, you know, mothers who essentially look like teenagers. I ain't hating on that. If you look young, you look young. If you are young, you whatever, you're young. But, but then they're with their little child, little girls, and the little girls are twerking. Am I twerking right? <laughs> twerking like the moms. How much God talk you think gets poured into that child's life? And, and, and one of the things that happens, sisters, and I, I think I'm going to have to cut it off right here. One of the things that happens, sisters, is that when... When God is not the priority in your life, it's hard to get him to be the priority in your child's life. Yeah, what, what, what's important to you will become important to your child or your children. And so if, 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 if hanging out at the club is what floats your boat, I promise you soon and very soon, your child is going to be right there. Guys, quiet up in here. One of the things that I, I, I pray mothers would learn, certainly new mothers, you know, <laughs> Have you ever been out the, the market, the mall, wherever, and you see mothers especially trying to really wrestle with their little bitty children? And they're practically begging their children. Come on, Billy, it's time to go. And Billy is like, no. And, 
And, and Billy starts running away. And then it just becomes a game. You know, oh, Billy, come on, come on, Billy. And you're chasing, they, she's chasing Billy all around. And, and, and the child understands now that it's a game. What happens when little Billy is walking toward the street? And you as the parent said, Billy, come here. And Billy said, No. And he's ready for the game to continue. And, and you're trying to go after him. And little Billy runs into the street. See, what our children become begins when you have the opportunity to teach him obedience as a toddler. But if you make everything a game, if you, if you make everything fun, if you make everything about Billy having a good time and a great experience, you, you miss the opportunity to drill into Billy the importance of obeying your voice. And then you fast forward uh, 12, 13, 14 years when you're going to court with Billy praying that, that he gets off with being a first-time offender or when you're at school and, and, and the teacher is telling you that Billy is selling drugs among his classmates. Or, 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 or when, when Billy uh, 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 becomes uh, a menace to society, don't get so mad at Billy. Because when Billy was a toddler and you were playing games with obedience, you instilled into Billy uh, that your voice is not authoritative. And so now, Billy is 14, 15, 16, 20, 25, and still won't submit to authority. Now, you got the church praying for Billy. There's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. But just understand, you, you want to now unravel what's been raveled for years. The ministry of motherhood is a high calling. It is among the highest callings. It is not fun time. Although you can enjoy your children, but it's not about fun. That can't be the priority. Because these streets ain't fun. Prison is not fun. Dying young is not fun. Crack addicted is not fun. So stop trying to have so much fun. And, and, and instill in your children the need 
to trust God, the need to obey God, the need to follow God. None of us have gotten it all right as parents. If I knew then what I know now, if I knew then what I know now, I'd have been a much better dad. But to the extent I can make an impact from now going forward, you know, my parenting days, my parenting days, you know, my children are grown, 30 and 22. Almost 31 and 23. It's not a whole lot. I'm going to teach them, you know, about. But, but what I can do is seek to coach them. Seek to lead by example. Seek to love them enough to be honest with them. To continue to tell them right from wrong. And I praise God that they have had for their 30 and 22 years of life, a mother who models, you know, what it means to give God talk. God talk. There's some Hannahs in the house. Probably some paninas in the house too. Might be some Elkanas in the house. I don't know who's who. The good news is God has a plan for you right now. And that plan. He will reveal as you draw closer to him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? You know, there's different kinds of sermons. Some sermons are shouting sermons. Some sermons are sleepy sermons. But then some sermons, I pray, are thinking sermons. And and I trust that God has given you, mothers in particular, something to think about. No matter what age or stage your children may be. And also, I want us to understand that whether you have biological children or not, you can still play a motherly role, a motherly role in the lives of children around you. Don't allow whatever stage you may be in in life right now to to diminish or minimize the significance of your motherly presence. Come alongside a young mother and just just love on her. Share with her if, if the door is open to that. 
some of your mistakes. Don't just tell her the part you got right. Talk about some of your failures. Show her some of your scars. We're community. We are a community. And we've got to learn how to share with one another. As your heads are bowed and heads are bowed and eyes are closed. As you think back, <laughs> remember I told you that, or I implied that before there was the boy Samuel, his mother and father had a relationship with the Lord. The primary relationship for your family has to be the parent's relationship with God. So, if you're present today and don't have a relationship with the Lord, today is a mighty good day to get that straight. Because God has a wonderful plan for your life. But that plan cannot be revealed to you nor received by you uh, if you're not connected to him. You don't get, it's not a spectator sport. You don't get to sit in the stands and benefit from his, from, his, from his plan. You've got to get in the game. And getting in the game means you get in relationship with Jesus Christ. And then in an environment where you can hear him speak to you on a consistent basis, a.k.a. the church. And so while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you to ask yourself the question, do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do I really have one? So am I confident that if I die today, heaven is going to be my eternal home? Have I been leading my household, my family, in, in the ways of God? Or have I been taking my cues from society? All of these are questions that every parent, certainly every mother, ought to ask herself. And be honest with the answer. Because the good news about God is you can always start again. You can always start over. You can always start afresh. I don't care what kind of mistakes you've made in yesterday. Today is a new day. And what I want to ask you to do is that if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, if you don't have a relationship with this or any other Bible-believing, Christ-centered, prayer-minded church, I'm, I'm, I'm praying that you would make a decision today on Mother's Day 2023 to be in a relationship, get into a relationship with the Lord and with this church. You can do that today by speaking to Minister Travis Collier, and he will gladly share with you that good news. He'll be standing right down front at the conclusion of this service, which is moments away. Father, we thank you now for the word. And uh, thank you, God, for the challenge, especially as it relates to motherhood. Remind every mother that she has a high calling. And, oh, God, I pray that the evidence of how seriously these mothers are taking their calling will be evident 
in the lives of their children and grandchildren and generations to come. We thank you now. In the name of Jesus our Christ, we pray. Let the people of God shout with a loud voice, amen, and praise his name. Would you give God... Thank you for listening to Real Talk with Bishop Brown. We hope that you were blessed. If you would like to accept Christ, join our church, help continue the work we are doing in our ministries, watch live on Sundays, find us on social media, or give online, you can visit the link in the episode description. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.